welcome to the Breaking Wax Podcast. Hey, this is Don, and we're back with another episode of the Breaking Wax Podcast. And I'm super excited this week to have Wayne, aka LJK Cards on. He, I think um, it's universally known, and I think people will agree with me that he's one of the good guys in the hobby. I don't think you'll find anyone that has anything bad to say about Lane, unless he knows something that I don't know. Um, Lane, I'm, I'm super grateful, and I'm thankful to have you on today. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you for having me on. Really excited to have this conversation. Uh, just excited to talk about cards and have fun. I got you. Um, so... I think early on, I I found out about you through the charity stuff you did. But I mean, and I do want to talk about that. But I guess, um, so who are you? You know what I mean? Like, uh, where do you live? How'd you get in the cards and all that good stuff? Yeah, so I'm currently based out of Connecticut. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that I live with my parents still. So um, don't really have to worry about rent. I'm able to kind of put everything into the business. Um I started doing cards when I was a kid. 0304 was my first boxes that I got. So I that year, obviously LeBron year, uh, Wade, all of those guys. Um, then when I really got into it was 05 Tops football chase. Um, unfortunately, I chased Alex Smith. I didn't chase Aaron Rodgers. Um, wow. So, yeah. So even as a little kid, I was already making mistakes with who I was chasing. Um so, I, yeah, I used to ride my bike to the LCS, which was like a five, ten-minute bike ride, uh, buy packs for 2 or $3. It depended on kind of what was going on with the shop that week. And, yeah, essentially what should have been the best quarterback being the number one pick. But, obviously, we see now that it was Rodgers. Um, that was the guy to buy. That was the guy to collect, which is kind of funny looking back on it. And then – in 2019 is when I kind of went full in cards. I decided that it was time to do it full time and kind of see where it could go. And here we are today. I got you. So in 03 and 04, how old were you? I was like eight and nine, depending on when during the year it was. Okay. Eight or nine. So you're, so back then were you just collecting, who you liked, like players that you saw and you liked, or were you thinking like, I'm going to collect this stuff and potentially trade up or sell, or what what was the thought process, even at that young of an age? Absolutely zero value behind it. Like I would go to the store and there would be a Corey Dillon rookie card and I would buy it because I liked watching Corey Dillon. Um, There would be Cedric Benson patch cards. And because Cedric Benson went to Texas, I would buy it. Um, It was literally just buying cards that, of course, it ended up being looking back on it when I got back into cards f- kind of big in 2015. I found some of my old cards. I was lucky and I was buying like National Treasures patches. So I was buying good cards, but it wasn't about the value at that point. It was just buying the players that I knew I liked. So you brought up something interesting. So you grew up in Connecticut or, or did you grow I grew up, up in, in Texas? New York. In New York. Where in New York? In Westchester. Oh, okay. So that's like just north of the city, right? Yep. About 30 minutes. So how how the heck are you a Texas fan? Uh, so my mom is from Texas originally, and my grandpa was actually a scout for the Cowboys, which oh, nice. is where my Cowboy fandom comes from. Okay. So are those the only Texas teams you like, or do you have other Texas teams that you 
I mean, so my fandom is uh, University of Texas. I'm a diehard fan for pretty much all sports across the board. Uh, my sister went to Syracuse, so I follow Syracuse basketball as well. Then for the NBA, I'm more so a Kevin Durant fan than anything. But okay. because he got drafted to the Sonics, I became a Sonics fan, then a Thunder fan. And he was there for so long that I became a Thunder fan. So at this point, I do have an allegiance to the Thunder, but I'm a KD fan first. Right. Okay, um, I got you. Then I have the Cowboys and then the Rangers, and I really don't follow hockey. Okay. So, man, so New York guy, no Yankees, no Mets at all. No Yankees, no Mets. That's surprising. So that's like the opposite for me. Well, my my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot when I was a kid. So when I when I started collecting cards, which I'm a little bit older than you, um, we don't have to say how much older, but uh, I just I was always a Jordan fan. And then before I ever even moved to Florida, I was like an Orlando Magic fan. I just I loved Shaq when I was a kid, and then I loved Penny Hardaway. So I was always trying to collect like my favorite players and then for me it was always my favorite players and then teams and then when I was a kid I guess I was just like a a superstar whore because anyone that was like good like Griffey I like you know and it didn't matter what team they're on if there was a superstar it was almost like uh looking back on it now if they were like a big time Nike athlete I just I liked them and I, I mean it makes sense yeah that was I mean, who was marketing to you yeah, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I never even thought of it that way, but I, you know, but I'm still an Orlando Magic fan. I'm, I'm a Florida guy through and through. Like, I'm a huge Gator fan. I'm a Jags fan. I still root for the Raiders because I was like a diehard Bo Jackson fan when I was a kid, even though his career was so short. And then um, I moved to New York. I never was really into baseball. So if you're from Florida, when I was a kid, no one was a Marlins fan. The Rays were like a new team. Everybody's a Braves fan for some reason. And I just wasn't into it. And uh, I moved to New York because of work, and I, I just became a Yankees fan. Um, that's, so that's like, the, Yeah, that's like the only team that I'm a fan of, really, that's not a Florida team, is the Yankees. So, but, yeah. Um, so, 03, 04, you said you are how old again? Eight or so? And then yeah. – so, so fast forward, high school, college. Did you go to college or no? Yeah, I graduated from Drexel in Philly. Oh wow! Um, and then you decided in fifteen that cards was going to be the full time job. So I mean, I I would say because of the last two years, it was probably a good decision, right? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of so. I was doing and I was doing memorabilia and I was getting tired of the shipping cost that was associated with it and how much storage space you needed to have like real inventory of those products. Um, And randomly in one of the memorabilia rooms I was in, someone commented about cards and then card breaks. And that honestly is what got me back into cards. And that was in 2015. I started chasing Amari Cooper. It was always football for me. Football was always my biggest draw. That was the sport that I played the most, the sport that I followed the closest. Um, so that was always my biggest draw was football cards. Okay. But yeah, that's cool. Um, and still today, is it still football? I mean, today, as a lot of people can see, I collect everything. But yeah, if, if I could, if I were to have to pick one sport that I had to collect and, and it was only that, it would be football. Just because, to me, that's the easiest sport to, A, collect the players that you like, 
Um, you can get running backs. You can get wide receivers. You can even get some defensive players uh, if they have cards. And those are usually relatively cheap. And then if you want to actually play the pro- prospecting game, you can go after the quarterbacks. Okay. I got you. So as far as it, it being a job, I know you do a lot of breaks and I've never asked you about it, but I know it's always with uh, ta- with tailgate, right? Is that, are you guys partners or you just do breaks with them? Um, I would say it's more so, I guess it's partners in a sense. Um, it's kind of complicated relationship, I guess. Um, I break for him, but then we also have some cards that we buy together that we buy and sell. Um, so it's definitely some sort of a partnership, some sort of a business relationship. Um, but from a breaking standpoint, I would say it's more so he is my boss and I kind of work under his umbrella. Okay. I got you. And how did that uh, relationship and that start? Um, it was honestly, I join a bunch of their breaks on Facebook and after a while, I approached him and said, hey, I have an Instagram following that I think that we could utilize, that you could utilize, um, being that you have wax, wax, I had singles. And this was, I think it was like a month or two before COVID happened that I approached him about it. And he was kind of like, yeah, we could try it because he had no real Instagram presence. Um, and I was like, I think that we can A, grow your Instagram presence, but then B, also move more wax. Um, right, and so right. here we are today. I got you. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know what your strategy is as far as your business model goes. Like, so for me, I don't, I don't look at the cards as a business, you know, it started off just wanting to get back into the hobby and collecting again. And and I've said it before, for me, it's a way to buy and sell or to trade up and get, get things that I really want. But so for you, are you breaking not breaking but are you still opening hobby boxes too or have you moved into like just kind of singles and concentrated um buys and sells no because at the end of the day we got into this as a hobby or i mean you did i did a lot of people got into this as a hobby um the way that i do explain it to a lot now is i don't i'm not into the stock market i don't really feel like doing research on businesses what they might be doing Sports cards are the sports stock market. I put right. so much time and effort into sports. Why not utilize that and, and make money off of it? That could be doing daily fantasy. That could be doing sports cards. There's so many different ways you can utilize the sports knowledge to make money um, that if you want to turn sports cards back into a hobby, you really can. And that's kind of the fun part about where the, ho- where the market's going now where a lot of these cards that had shot up 500, 600, 700% that everyone was like, oh, damn, I can't get that. Well, now it's coming back down to earth. Yeah, you might have to move eight cards now instead of three cards to get that card. But if it's somewhat obtainable, you should go after it at this point because, I mean, you wanted it when it was worth 800%. Why aren't you chasing it now at 200%? Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think... um... You know, a lot of I do Instagram pretty much exclusively as far as like hobby information goes and cards. Um, I don't really do the Facebook as much, but it seems like Instagram the last couple of weeks or a month has been this. Everyone's talking about the correction and how the hobbies on a downslide. But I mean, I guess you, I mean, you've been collecting like since you're a kid through your teens and adult life. Um, 
have you ever seen the market do this in that that span of time as far as like the quadrupling in price and then coming back down some or has it been pretty steady up until like the last two years so here's the thing there's always been cycles the kind of springish summertime leading up to the national is always a downtime in the hobby in the market however We've never seen spikes, or at least I had never seen spikes the way that we saw the last year and a half. A lot of that was literally due to the fact that people were stuck at home. They weren't able to go to sporting events. They weren't able to go to the casino. They weren't able to, literally, they were not able to do anything outside of sit at home and stare at their computer screens, which is why the market did what the market did. As soon as people got their vaccinations, or at least enough people got their vaccinations, And you were able to start going to the mall again, go to the movies, go on vacation, go to sporting events. The market immediately readjusted to, okay, people aren't staring at eBay on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock anymore. People aren't staring at eBay Saturday at four in the afternoon. They're at the park or they're at the beach or they're actually doing stuff now. Hmm. And so I don't think people really adjusted to that concept. So you're going to see a lot of stuff going back to Sunday night auctions or uh, Saturday morning auctions, things like that, where people are going to be at their computers expecting this stuff to end. And then another big thing that people haven't been accounting for is the in-person deals. There used to be maybe one big show a quarter. Now there's one big show a weekend. Right. So you're not having as much money going through online transactions. And according to this market, for whatever reason, in this industry, online transactions and online comps are the market and and is what kind of where the market's going. So if your online comps are going down or your online comps say that a card is worth this specific amount, that's now what the card is all of a sudden worth. Meanwhile, you could be at a show and that same card sells for 40 percent more 10 times over. But that doesn't matter because it wasn't actually recorded which is a very to think about. Yeah. I, so I just, I kind of want to recap what you said, because you just gave like, to me, it was a huge insight and you kind of nailed, you nailed it on the head as far as, um, and I didn't even think of this in regards to the correction or the prices coming down is you're right. Like people are literally um, out of this sci-fi movie we've been living in um, and going back to doing normal things. So you're right. They haven't been looking at eBay or staring at comps and watching stuff. And, and as you're saying that, I was just thinking, you know, wow, like same with me. And I, you know, I'm always looking at the stuff I'm interested in, but I think even in the last week, some auctions have ended. And normally the last year I would be like glued to them to see them through to the end. And some have ended and I, I haven't really cared as much, but yeah, I think that's a a huge insight. And I think what you said even earlier, as far as the card prices um, at 200%, right? Like let's not forget before things exploded, I think the peak at which I was buying the Zions in bulk, right? The prism base cards, it was like 30 or 40 bucks a piece. And even right now, 90. Right. And then and a PSA 10, I think the last time I checked was four or 500 bucks, which is still, gosh, I mean, that's a great return on your investment. So people I are mean, too focused on the narrow of what was two weeks ago. What was, Let's look at and, and I know that we shouldn't look at what was two years ago, 
But let fine. Let's look at even the broader scope. What was five years ago? What was right. six years ago? What's going to be in two, three years? Like the market is always going to have ups and downs. The market had never seen so much hyper focus in one small amount of time on literally every single aspect of the market. All right. sports were going on. The b- basketball was going on. Baseball was going on. Football was going on. Then basketball restarted immediately. It was like sports was all people had. And they were literally sitting at home watching sports, buying cards. And that was it. They couldn't gamble anywhere else. They couldn't do anything. Right. I I think, um, you know, I've, I've been an adult for a long time now. And I, I'm not into sports gambling really at all. Um, I like the fantasy football and like fan duels and uh, what's the other one? Um, DraftKings. I, I like I like that here and there, but. I never realized the amount of adult males that bet on sports daily. Oh, yeah. It, it's actually mind-boggling. And the amount of money that they're betting on it also. You would, oh you would think gosh. that all these people are making millions of dollars a year. Right, right. And, that's, and I didn't realize it. So um, Brandon and I are in a group chat with a couple other Florida guys. And, you know, I was just asking them about betting on sports because, like I said, I wasn't interested in it. I didn't really understand the over and the under and the spread. And they were, like, explaining it to me. And I was like, man, am I the only adult male that watches sports that's not betting on sports? It seems like more more people than not, if you ask them if they bet on sports, the answer is going to be yes, which is crazy. Especially in the card hobby. A hundred percent. It adds just another level of excitement and another level of kind of what's going to happen to the game. Right. Man, it's a, so I I think too, with the way prices are draft class, I think draft classes and these, the prospects and and watching certain players, I think it's just going to get more and more hyper-focused on the draft classes. And, and as far as like making an investment goes, right. Like I think, even though Zion and Ja, that class was super hyped with price and through the media, um, if I had to pick between opening a box of prison from that year or this year, I, I would still rather pay the extra money and, and open a box from the year before. Or, you know, if you want to get crazy and open a box with Luca and train it, you could do that too, I guess. Yeah, I mean, 18, 19, that draft class is starting to look like it could go down as one of the best draft classes ever. Yeah, And I'm talking like overall ever. I mean, there it's what, eight deep at this point from like legit star players in the NBA for, or at least potential star players in the NBA. Yep. Yep. And I, and and I will say this as far as I was a Trey Young hater and he's showing up in the playoffs, which is huge. Um, And, and same with Luca. I, you know, I, I think Luca is phenomenal. Um, the injuries in his ankle scares me, but he, I think he played most of the games this year, right? The issue, I mean, yeah, Luca didn't really have, he had the one rolled ankle, but I mean, that's going to happen when you have the ball in your hands, the amount. Same thing happens with Trey with the rolled ankles. Same thing happens right. with most of these point guards with the rolled ankles. They'll miss a couple weeks and then they come back. Right. Um, the one thing that I think people need to start understanding, and I understand it, Oh, we, we like Luca, so we can't like Trey. But no one has ever said if you're a Luca fan, you've never said Trey is bad. You've just right. said Luca is better. If you're a Trey fan, you've never said Luca is bad. You've just said Trey is better. 
I don't think either one is actually bad. And I think both are generational superstars in the NBA. Just pick which one you like and, and enough of like the bad mouthing. It's the same thing with like the Soto Acuna Tatis debate. Having these young superstars is a good thing. It, it creates debate. It creates the discussion. Right. You just got to make sure that you keep it civilized. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't pick and choose, I guess, in that regard. Um, I think that Luca and Trey, or even though Luca is a point guard, I, I, you know, their games are pretty different. Like if I was going to start a team, I would definitely take Luca over Trey, but that's just my personal opinion and what I like in a player. I think um, there's a bigger debate if you're an Atlanta Hawks fan, if they fucked up by, by getting rid of that pick, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Did we did we mess up trading Luca for Trey and, and a first round pick? Right, right. I think that's. I mean, if you're into sports, I think that's a bigger debate than hating on one or the other. But teach their own, I guess. You know. Um, but so if oh, I, I mean, I guess that's a good segue. So if you were going to start an NBA team with any of these young guys, who who would you go with? I mean, we're talking like any player, what twenty five and under, or just any player in the NBA right now. Because, like I said, I'm a KD homer, so I'm yeah, no, we, we could go, we could go any player in the NBA right now, I guess. Yeah, so you would pick KD for sure. I mean, if we're talking, I just want to win a ring. I want to create a team and win a ring. I'm personally, I'm still taking KD. Then it would probably be Kawhi. Then it would be LeBron in terms of players that I trust to build a team around to win a ring. If we're right. talking about I want to build a franchise, it'd be hard not to take Luka. And I'm not a Luka fan. I'm not like a Luka homer or anything like that. But after seeing what he's done with kind of not a really that good supporting cast, it'd be hard not to take him. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know any player. So you didn't – so not Giannis, no Curry. I really don't like Giannis. Really? Giannis what, what part can't of his dribble. game don't you like? He can't dribble. He can't shoot. He's a freak athlete. Don't get me wrong. He is an absolute freak athlete. In the open floor, he's one of the best players in the NBA. I think the only other, the only player I would take in transit is Ben Simmons. Um, but in the half court, when the game is slowed down, watch him play. It's It's horrible. It's like watching a middle schooler play. Yeah, and and I would say out of all the young guys, um, he's probably has the best supporting cast, and he's not doing anything with it. I will say his supporting cast has been a no show against the Nets so far. So like, give him some credit in that sense. At least he kind of showed up game. He did show up game one, and then he he was the whole team was a no show game too. But at least he showed up game one. The rest right. of the team didn't. Uh, but yeah, I would agree. the The Bucks have a legit supporting cast. The Bucks have a legit team. It's just Giannis. The way that his game is is done, it's not meant to succeed in the playoffs. It's a regular season formula. So it's so crazy. Um, it's so crazy to have a team. I don't know what they finished. I think they're top three in the East, right? Number one last year, and then I don't. Yeah, they think finished. They're gonna get out of the second round. So. <laughs> Man, I, I'm surprised KD came back, um, and I'm I'm happy for you because I know you, you you know he's your player and your PC, but you know that that Achilles injury traditionally is really hard to come back from. So, oh yeah, and, did I lose you? The fact that he came back and 
he's arguably better than when he went down is the scary part. When he went right. down, when he went down, when he was playing with the Warriors, he was the best player on that Warriors team. He was playing the best. He was the best. He was back-to-back finals MVP. He took that team to a level that they hoped to get to. Now, don't get me wrong. That team was ridiculous before he got there, but they were essentially untouchable with him. Then he went down. Everyone was like, oh, his career's done. You can't come back from that injury. And now he's literally better. And when he, I think that the Nets are going to win the ring this year. It's bronze out of the equation. Um, I, I don't really see a team that can slow them down, especially looking at how they're, what they're doing to the Bucs. I mean, the Bucs are supposed to be a, one of the better defensive teams in the league in terms of having multiple seven-footers, in terms of having good offense, good defense, just a good all-around team, and they're blowing them out in two games without James Harden. Harden's going to be back by the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals at the minimum. It's just not going to be fair. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think they're better without Harden, or do you think they're better with him? Oh, 100% they're better with Harden. Harden runs that offense. I thought Harden should have been the MVP if he was there for the whole season and actually played enough games. He, When Harden can do his own thing, it allows KD and Kyrie to do their thing even more. And it just, I don't know, Harden's the ultimate point guard in my opinion. So as a Thunder fan, does it disappoint you or make you sad that you had both of those guys at one point in their careers? Oh, I mean, yeah, that came down to the owner. It's just super cheap and didn't want to go into the luxury tax to pay both Ibaka and Harden. And then as good as a GM as Sam Pressy is, and he's one of the best GMs kind of to ever do it in the NBA, he messed up big time and traded Harden and re-signed Ibaka. Granted, Steven Adams became one of my favorite players, and I loved that we had him and he had a great career for the Thunder now, obviously, with the Pelicans. Um, but, yeah, I would have rather had James Harden than Steven Adams. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, I don't – that the Pelicans signing or getting Adams was puzzling to me. But I guess back to the Thunder, um, since you're a Thunders fan, what's your take on Westbrook? I, I just – in the last podcast, I, we, I talked about Westbrook a little bit. And even though I'm an Orlando Magic fan – I. I do not want him on my team. Like, I know he had some success and he got to help the Wizards make the playoffs this year. But, like, I just I – don't, I don't know. He's just not a guy I would want to start or even have on the Orlando Magic, even though we're bottom of the barrel. You know what I mean? So, Westbrook, the perfect way that I see him is just a short version of Giannis. Mm. Westbrook. Westbrook has basketball skills that Giannis could oh, yeah. only dream of having. Um, but Westbrook's just a regular season nightmare. You can't actually game plan one game for a player like Westbrook. You can't actually game plan one game for a player like Giannis. You can game plan a series to take them out of an actual series, but you can't game plan one random regular season game to take them out of their game, which is why they put up these absolutely stupid stats. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that somebody could be average a triple double for a season, and then maybe in some four out of the last five, (laughs) right, and 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 still be considered a loser. 
Yeah. I mean, just, I mean it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> he's, he's won, I think it's one playoff series. Um, right. And that's like, and he's made the finals once. And then I think without KD, he's made the uh, one off playoff series once. Right. And so, and it's not like he hasn't had a supporting cast or great players to play with either. So, I mean, he's a, at one point, he was a top 10 player himself. I wouldn't right. classify him that anymore. I would still put him in the top 25 overall just because, I mean, that is how good he is in the regular season. And that's ultimately what matters. Um, but in the postseason, him and Giannis, yeah, I'm I'm good. I would pretty much take anyone other than those two. Right. I, and I think it's uh, interesting what you said about game planning for a series. That's why I don't think um, Justin Cedar-Hollow Carter is going to hate me for saying this, but that's why I don't think Philly will go very far because, I mean, how far can you go when your 6'10 point guard can't shoot free throws or hit an open jumper? So farther than you think. You think so? The reason why is because your 6'10 point guard can play point guard because you don't need to run the offense through him. Whereas for the Bucks, you need to run the offense through Giannis because Giannis actually can't do anything else. Simmons <laughs> has no problem moving without the ball, cutting to the basket to get layups. He has right. no problem setting the back screens. He has no problem not actually being involved in the offense and just playing lockdown D and then running the transition and getting his offense in transition. Giannis needs to run the offense. Giannis needs to feel like he's doing it all, which is why they run into these brick walls. Like right now, the Sixers are up by 17 points. Yep. And that's yes, all that. because they're playing their actual game. They're letting just Embiid take over. So, but what about, um, and this is what I was saying with Simmons, right? So if it's a close game, it'll be interesting to see if the Hawks um, – use the hack-a-shack um, on Simmons if it's a closed game and, and how that'll affect the game. I, I always, as a kid, I never liked the hack-a-shack, and thankfully it seemed like Shaq always stepped up to the plate and hit the free throws, but um, I guess we'll see what Simmons does if they if they get into a close game with the Hawks. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to see any close games. Um, I think it's going to be blowouts on both sides, or it'll be the Hawks win close because the Hawks were leading at home or something like that. I mean, right. we saw – didn't the Hawks blow – it was like, what, a two-point lead in game one to only win by two? It's just yeah, – it's clear who the better team is, and I just think the Hawks are a year early. Um, yep. They're, they're going to be really good next year when they're able to bring in one more free agent. I think that, that they're just one veteran piece away. Yeah, they're super. I mean, they are a super young team. They've had so many picks the last two years. Um, man, and that's speaking of young guys, dude, how about all the people that bought into that Cam Reddish hype before the season? So, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that I bought into the Cam Reddish hype. I currently own zero cards. I had one really nice card that um, Seth at one of the Dallas shows pried away from me. I didn't want to move it at all. Um, and he convinced me to get rid of it, so I got rid of it, and then I didn't buy back into the market. But I do think Cam Reddish could be special. He's just been out with injury all year. He apparently got cleared that he could come back, so we'll see if he does make any appearance in this series. Uh, But, yeah, he had an Achilles injury. He's, what, 20 years old, and he's already having an Achilles injury? I'd be a little bit worried if I was invested in him as a 20-year-old injury. 
Um, so, but as I yeah, said, I own zero cards of him. No, I I think um, so. With Cam Reddish, it's interesting. So I don't I don't share this. I'm not going to say what college team, but I I did scout for a D1 college basketball program. Um, and with Cam Reddish, out of the three between Barrett Zion. And him, you know, I thought his shot was was beautiful. Um, I thought, you know, him being 6'8", right, um, super athletic. I thought he had all the tools to be a superstar in the NBA as well. And I just – I worry about him, the injuries, number one, and then his confidence. Like last year when I saw him play, it just seemed like his confidence wasn't there compared to like, you know, R.J. Barrett's got confidence through the roof. Zion's got confidence through the roof. And that mental aspect of the game, especially in the NBA, I don't know if he'll get there. I hope he does. I think, like you said, he's got all the potential in the world. But I guess we'll have to wait and see if he gets back from these injuries and get some get some runs in. You know, I think the NBA, it's just – it's all about getting your opportunity and making the most of it. So, Yeah, and, I mean, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. It's the confidence. I mean, you look at what happened with Markel Fultz when he lost his confidence. He still hasn't gotten yep. it back. And I know he's an Orlando boy, so you follow him. But it's just like once it's he's gone, there. it's so hard to get it back. Right, right. And that, God, that whole saga with the Sixers was like the weirdest thing I think I've seen in sports my whole life. But I, one quick story. So I, when I was a freshman, I was a top 100 basketball player. And uh, we went to this Adidas camp. And at the end of the camp, they brought this guy in. And I, I don't even remember his name, right? So this guy did a 30-minute shooting demonstration. I don't remember him missing a shot. He might have. And he was shooting threes from everywhere, just bombs all over the court for 30 minutes. Didn't miss a shot. And at the end, they were like, does anybody know who this is? Not None of us knew who he was. And uh, he played for the Bulls for two years, I think it was, and I think played one minute. And I, I just remember as a kid thinking, like, holy smokes, like, how is this guy that good? And he never even sees the floor. Yeah, um, exactly. That's, so it's, like, that's how crazy talented being mm-hmm. a professional athlete is. Like, people joke around, oh, this guy's not good. This guy's out of shape. This guy's not athletic. It's like it, they're a professional athlete being paid to play a game that we all dream that we could be paid to play. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the the average fan, especially the average fan that's never played sports before, don't realize the difference in the level of a professional athlete, like you said, than just uh, everybody else. Or even some, you know, I, you could even say 90% of D1 athletes aren't, aren't good enough or even close to being a professional athlete too, you know. So it's a huge difference in step up. I I was fortunate enough to grow up in my small town in Florida with a couple guys that went pro. Um, I know you don't you don't follow soccer at all, do you? I mean, I follow it a little bit. I follow it more so through playing FIFA than I do literally like sitting there watching the games. But I <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah, I follow you. it a little bit. So when I was a when I was a kid, my my younger brother's a year younger than me. His best friend. Um, is Eddie Johnson, right? So Eddie Johnson played on the World Cup team. Yep. He was drafted he was drafted by the Dallas Burn when he was 16 years old. So he's he's one of our best friends growing up and even as kids you could tell he was going to be a special athlete and he was just head and shoulders above everybody else in not just soccer but every sport. Um so when you see those people in real life and you get to know them like you could see like it's crazy. Um 
the difference between the common man and a professional athletes. And that's even, so Blake Bortles is a good friend of mine and him and I are like the same height and weight. And when people realize that they're like, cause a lot of times people will meet me and they're like, Oh man, you're like the size of a NFL tight end. And, or, you know, I'm like, no, I'm like the size of an NFL quarterback actually. So yeah. tight ends are even, they're even like twice the size I am. So it's kind they're, of, crazy. they're even bigger. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And I'm, I'm not small, you know what I mean? I'm 6'5", 255, 265, depending on the day, so. Yeah, see, I'm not big at all. I'm 5'10", 5'11", 210. Mm-hmm. What did, uh, so I guess, you know, we kind of bounced around into sports, which I like, but as far as um, the way the hobby's going, um, and we already kind of talked about it, but do you do anything else besides cards? Yeah. Um, so one of the big things that I've picked up even more so recently, but probably over the last four years is, um, gotten into fitness outside of just sports, um, in terms of like running, walking, actually lifting. Um, before that, I pretty much just played sports and that was the extent of my exercise. Um, but since then, um, I really enjoy it. It just kind of frees my mind, allows me to think, allows me to kind of escape, so to speak. Right. Um, and then charity. Charity work is kind of what drives me. Um, being able to help that are less fortunate or that are in a situation that they want to help themselves and can't. And me being able to do something to help them. Um, that's kind of what brings a smile to my face. That's kind of what I enjoy the most out of anything. Okay. Yeah. So you, you hit on two things I definitely want to talk about. Um, the charity. So that's how I found out about your account and I guess first DM'd you or talked to you was um, Steve from 101. God, he was doing one of his crazy breaks when he would, I don't even know if he breaks anymore, um, but it was, I'm pretty sure it was like transcendent maybe. And so he was talking about in his live, how you're doing this charity and you're collecting things for donation to give away his prizes, right? If people donated to the charity, um, what, I guess what company or what, who is it that you donate to and how does that process work? Because it's usually Christmas, right? Yeah. So for the last three years, this coming year, I'm going to do it again. So it'll be the fourth year in a row. Um, I do this big toy drive. Um, the first year that we did it, it was much more last minute. So it was kind of a scramble to find someone to take toys right around Christmas time. As funny as that is to say, um, it's a, it was actually hard to find people to take toys around Christmas time. Uh, first year we donated the toys to a little bit of Northern, uh, Los Angeles and then the New York children's hospital. There's a couple chains throughout Manhattan and throughout the five boroughs. So we donated to that chain of children's hospitals. Then for the last two years, we've donated, um, to essentially it's toys for tots for the greater Los Angeles area. And this last year we were able to raise, uh, just over $8,000, and through the partnership that I have with License to Play, which is a toy distributor, big player in the toy uh, market, biggest distributors for actual toy stores throughout the country, um, they partnered with us and they matched our donation. So we were able to give right around $15,000 worth of toys uh, wow. to this cause by partnering with them and by the community joining the raffle essentially is what it is. Okay, right, because I, I know people donate 
things towards the raffle too, right? Because you give out prizes to the people that make the donation as well, correct? Yeah. So the first year I gave away, um, I'm trying to think what card it was. Either way, it's not important. Either the first year I gave away a card, the next this last year I gave away a Charizard and a Zion, uh, Charizard yeah. PSA eight and a Zion PSA ten. Um, one year, my friend Ryan RSC Sports Cards, he actually donated a round trip ticket to the national, so that he paid for the flight for someone to go to the national. So it's been pretty cool to see some of the different prizes that the community has stepped up and donated. Um, on top of just actually join, joining and supporting the cause. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to start thinking now about something I can donate that people will want so they'll get in on the raffle. But it, it, it is amazing, though, to see how many people post your story, repost your post, and, uh, and it's a good cause, you know. And, man, it's amazing that you do that. What, what made you want to do that or get into doing the charity stuff? It's just kind of who I've kind of always been who I've been in a sense. Um, I've always been someone that's been around charity and trying to help other people. Um, Got into it really big in high school. My mom got diagnosed with MS. And as a sophomore, I started kind of an MS awareness campaign where I was actually giving speeches at my high school. I was putting together like PowerPoint presentations to raise money for MS. And that was as a sophomore and junior in Wow. And then that's kind of just carried on. I was the philanthropy chair for my uh, fraternity for all five years that I was at Drexel. Um, so it's literally just philanthropy and, and helping people has always been kind of what I've tried to do. Man, that's awesome. I, uh, as a kid that my dad was always real big about volunteering, volunteering your time, volunteering to a cause. And, um, you know, and it's one thing to volunteer it's one thing to donate, but it, it's a, and you know this better than I do. It's a whole nother level when you have to organize and actually do what you're doing. I think it's when people donate, it's the easy button, right? But for someone like you to take that on, it, it's an amazing thing. And I, you know, and I applaud you a hundred percent. And I know that's not why you do it. Right. But, uh, but still, I think it's, it's worth talking about and recognizing the fact that you do that because it, it's a lot of work to, to organize it and to, to get people to see it and then god fifteen thousand dollars is amazing oh it's definitely a lot of work but it's it's worth it especially knowing that we're helping and in this case especially we're helping kids that without what we're doing who knows what they would actually wake up to christmas morning right Um, right. and so that's kind of what we're able to think about and, and why it's worth it to put in all the work that we do put in and it's not just me at this point that's doing these I know that card collector too, Ryan, he does a tour. Um, and I believe that there's one other page that I've seen that started to do a toy drive. So the fact that the community were big enough at this point that we're not only doing one toy drive, but we're doing multiple toy, toy drives that are being extremely successful. I just, I want to keep seeing those grow. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a good point. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many charities to look at, especially around the holidays. I know for us, like my, my kids are older and last year my wife was, I think it's Salvation Army. So they have like the trees at Walmarts and different stores where you can pick a kid, you know, and it has like their toy list and a clothing list and they're like less fortunate children. And like last year, my wife was like, should we do two kids? And, you know, luckily for us, we got the list and I'm like, 
they don't give you instructions, you know, and we we're just like, let's just get everything on the list for these kids, you know, and I always have a soft spot for kids, um, especially kids in need. Yeah, so, it's not like know. it's their choice. It's not like they right. can like they can do anything essentially to get out of their situation. Right, exactly. So I mean, if you can help or, or make those donations and do something about it, it's huge. And that's yeah. I mean, and uh, there's so many different ways to donate and do do things. And I think one big thing that people don't realize that they have that they can do consistently it doesn't have to be during the holidays is um you donate your time. You know what I mean? Go to a soup yep. kitchen um any of these places and and do that i know i have a a separate business and i know one year we did my buddy has he has a clam farm right and uh so he donated like a couple thousand clams um we have some bands to play and we did a charity for uh it's like a, a women's home for like women that were going through a hard time whether it's domestic abuse or they've just fallen down on on hard times, whether it's financially or whatever it may be. And, right. you know, I t- we teamed up with a, a local restaurant and did that. And I think we're going to try to do it again this summer too. But it's like, you know, the, when you see the difference that you're making in someone's life, that a lot of times, like you said, it, it wasn't their choice. You know, sometimes shit happens. And like those kids, you know, the, they can't help that they were born in those situations. So, No, a hundred percent. And yeah, that's the biggest thing is it's not always that someone needs to donate money. That's one thing that people need to understand is you can donate time. You can literally just share stuff. You can market it. You can help them spread the word that sometimes is more effective than giving a five or 10 or $15 donation. Right. So that's something that people can also remember is that it's not always money that needs to be donated. So this year, is it going to be the same organization you're going to do you do the donations for or are you looking at different places um so for the most essentially it's the same organization that we work with and then that organization works with three or four different so they work with salvation army they work with toys for tots they work with so many different places that we kind of get the toys in their hands and they determine where they're best used during the holidays oh, okay i got you that's awesome yeah definitely uh I look forward to that um, this holiday season as well. Um, you, t- you touched on it earlier um, with the fitness, right? So I guess, I mean, I, I, I see your post. Um, you don't post about it often. I think recently you posted about like the weight loss and, and getting in shape and, and doing the fit, taking the fitness avenues for like a stress relief. Um, like for me, my, in my line of work, I don't have a choice, right? Um, right. I have to, I, I have to work out. Um, and for me, it's twice a day, but I guess for you, like, um, what made you make that decision to go take the fitness route and, and I guess live a more active lifestyle? Is that fair to say? Oh, I mean, so I always thought that I was active, so to speak. I was playing sports, whether it was squash or basketball three or four times a week, but that was right. all I was doing outside of that. I was sitting on my couch or I was going to class. Um, I wasn't doing anything else, which isn't actually living a f- active lifestyle, so to speak. Right. Um, but I was entering my senior year of college and kind of got to the point where I was like, if I go and apply for jobs, I'm just going to be laughed at. And okay. having that kind of awareness and kind of waking up and realizing that it was th- is what brought on the change. It was a hundred percent just mentally. I was ready to change. 
um, until you're mentally ready to change, no matter how bad you want it, no matter what you do, it's always going to be a mental barrier that you go back to your old self. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. You get, that's the thing is like with, with that, with fitness, with a lot of things in life, um, unless that person wants to do that thing, there's nothing that other people can say or do to convince them otherwise. So how, I guess, how did you start? Was it a, a dietary change or you just said like, Hey, I'm going to start hitting the gym once or twice a day and, and kind of figure it out as I go. So honestly, and the people that like, when I go to shows, the people that are, that I'm really close with, that I'm friends with, that I eat meals with, they know this. I eat like a six-year-old. I still eat like a six-year-old. Like my eating habits are awful. Right. Um, but I started to drink a lot more water. I started to eat a lot more protein. Um, and then it was actually going for walks. It was actually kind of being a little bit more aware of what I was doing as opposed to going and ordering two 20 piece chicken nuggets at McDonald's. It was going and ordering one 10 piece things like you. that. Um, so when you say, when you say your, your diet's bad, so like, are you a picky eater or are you just hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, and chicken nuggets is what you like and what you stick to? Uh, a little bit of both i'm a picky eater and and i'm a bad eater (laughs) yeah no i mean so like for me i uh like i could cut out carbs i could cut out dairy but like my my vice one thing it's like is chicken wings i don't know what it is but like i will not give up hot wings for nothing or no one (laughs) yes yeah i probably eat chicken like let's say there's we'll call it two meals a day, like not counting breakfast, two meals a day, seven meals a, a week or seven days a week. So 14 meals, probably 11 of them for me are chicken. I got you. So are you, so what's your, what's your fitness routine that you follow? Is it, is it some set that you do? I, it's literally at this point, it's not set. It's kind of wake up usually around six, six thirty, and then just go out and walk. And then I have like kind of, I don't want to call it a lap, but it's kind of a path that I've created near my house that's become like kind of a figure eight lap and doing one of the laps is five and a half miles. And so kind of just depending on how the heat is, how I'm doing, I either do one, two or three laps. um, And that's kind of my exercise usually to start the day um, and for the day. And I've started recently trying to add in some other stuff, whether it be crunches or pushups or things that I've recently tried to add in. Um, but for the most part, just everything I do is cardio based. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's good. Uh, as far as like, so the old, like how old are you right now? 26, almost 27 now. Okay. So I, I just turned 39. So I, I went from like lifting heavy, um, like running, um, and doing like a lot of cardio, like intense cardio to now I do lighter weight, more reps. And I guess, you know, the, the weight amount is relative to the person. So my lightweight is probably not light for the average person just, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, you, I think you just got to find what works for you. And I think that's what's working for you and adding weights and the pushups and setups, you can never go wrong with that last Last year when the pandemic hit, uh, my son, little Donnie, was like, hey, you want to do the one punch man workout? Are you familiar? Have you ever heard of this? So it's an anime, but have you ever heard of it? No, I've never heard of that workout. 
So it's um so every day you do a hundred push ups, a hundred sit ups, a hundred squats, like air squats, and then you're supposed to run like six miles, which we we tailored it to like we did the three one hundreds, but then we would run the three we'd do three miles instead of six because six every day is ridiculous. But uh Got it. I mean I mean people do it, but like just after doing that for two weeks, like you you definitely notice, but it it is not easy. And we did not do like a hundred, hundred, hundred straight. We broke it up into um, 10 sets of 10, you know, just right. doing all three exercises. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, like if you, do you try to switch it up or you just been sticking with your routine? Honestly, I've just been sticking with my routine. I'm sure at some point I need to switch it up um, or at least actually join a gym or do something in that sense. But yeah, so far it's just, and especially once COVID hit, it was kind of like, all right, I have the outdoors. No one yep. else is outdoors. Let me go use it. Yep. No, and that's the same because I was in New York at the time or Long Island and uh, everything was locked down and shut down. So we were just trying to find something or anything to do. We Luckily, we had weights and all that stuff at the house because my son played football. But um, yeah, it was tough for sure. And it was definitely tough to maintain. I mean, I put on some pounds during COVID just because... I mean, in New York, when everything was shut down, there was literally nothing to do but to eat food and kind of hang out. And yeah, then one exactly. Day, and play and with then, cards. Yeah, and play with cards. Yeah, and then at one, you know, and then one day I was like, "Man, this is ridiculous. I got to get back into some sort of routine." Um, but I'm, now I'm in the South, where uh, depending on how you feel, it's wide open and kind of crazy. So like the gyms are fully open. Nobody's wearing masks and. I mean, yeah, that's but I, to be everywhere at this point. Right, right. Um, but I, I mean, it's nice to be back in a gym where I have a, a full range of weights and everything. So, man, that's awesome. What? Uh, so I guess today, do you have like a, a goal weight or a fitness goal in mind or are you just doing it to be healthy? I mean, I'd, my goal, I guess, is I, I'd like to hover closer to the 190 range as opposed to like the 20 range um and i want to lose i still have a lot of extra skin um i lost just over 260 pounds so from that big to that small obviously there's going to be some like loose skin and things like that Uh, i'm hoping to start to kind of work out and build some muscle out to get rid of some of that but outside of that that's really the only goal is to kind of lose 20 more pounds and or fill out the extra skin and stay at the 210 to 220 range cool man that's that's amazing 260 pounds holy cow dude that's amazing man congratulations um yeah i mean it makes you feel better i will 100 percent say that you definitely feel better yeah for sure i mean for sure i can only <laughs> imagine dude that's it's crazy what um oh man so we we've been talking for like like an hour and it's been great um is there is there anything you want to talk about or anything we didn't hit on that you think maybe we should hit on or i mean i guess we can just talk more about the market even more so in terms of like how people can kind of approach the current market how you may be approaching the current market as more of a collector versus someone that's in it as a business yeah i mean for me you know i talked about it before like i I've always been in this to um, make my collection better 
And it's been tough trying to figure out what my collection is right now, right? Because, like I said, I still buy the guys that I like, right or wrong. So, like, I have have Mo Bamba cards. I have um, Jonathan Isaac cards. I have a ton of Gardner Minshew, which, uh, you know, at this point are paperweights, you know. But that's fine. I like Gardner Minshew. I think if he gets a, an opportunity somewhere else, he might he might actually do all right, regardless of the fact that people think he has a noodle arm. I I like the Moxie. He's got so a personality. We'll he'll be around for a while. Yeah, Will he be and a I think starter. I don't know, but he'll be around. Well, I, I mean, and that's the thing is the Jags were so bad. It and that's and I'll be interesting to see, or I'll be interested to see like how Trevor Lawrence does this year because our line. People like to make the argument that we have good linemen, but they fucking suck. And for the amount of money that some of these guys got paid, like, I'm not seeing it. And if Tom Brady was our quarterback last year, he'd be broken in half and not in the NFL anymore. The only reason Minshew had any success and Blake had any any success at all is because they could move their feet just a little bit. I mean, look what happened to Nick Foles. Yep. Exactly. So, so uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I'm super excited that Jags got Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'm super surprised that the Jets are so bad that they screwed that up. Um, like yeah, that's the been. funniest part. <laughs> we, I was just talking about this at dinner. Um, like, I cannot believe that the Jets screwed that up that bad. Like, you know, I mean, it's that- late – Oh my gosh, it's late in the season. Like, you know, if a star player is sore, it's like, oh, you're sore, you're not playing today. Sorry. Oh, oh well, we're not, we can't afford to screw this up. And they screwed it up. I mean, it completely changed the entire draft. I mean, if the Jags have the number two pick instead of the number one pick, I wouldn't be shocked if Justin Fields went number two overall. Oh, so being a Jags fan, I, I was not holding my breath. At all. I thought for sure if, if any team was going to screw up the number one pick, it would be them. And even early on, the talk was that Trevor Lawrence wasn't 100% going to be the pick because people just weren't sure what the Jags were going to do. But you're right. If we had the number two pick, we were going to take Justin Fields hands down. Or the kid from uh, that the Niners took. It would have been one of those two. It wouldn't have been Wilson for sure. Yeah, no chance it was Wilson, which is no, interesting at all. of going number two. What and I, I'm not sold on Wilson just because he had one cool throw at the combine. I, I mean the and plus it's the Jets, so the Jets are going to do whatever the Jets are doing. But yeah, for, so as far as collecting goes, um, I I completely stopped opening boxes. Um, I don't do any more breaks. Uh, the only I will say the only breaks I do is with Eric from Insta Trading Cards. Him and I talk a lot. Um, I like Eric a lot, and then the only other person I break with is you, and that's it. And I only do the and I only do the breaks with you if I like if I can catch my team that I like, or if like if you have a filler, and I'm like, uh, I think the odds are pretty good I'll get a team, I'll join the filler. But yeah, other than that, I just buy singles. And then more recently for me, like everybody's talking about, right, is the comic books the tickets and then most recently i've been doing vhs tapes too which is which i didn't know this and i don't know if you know this which is highly controversial in the vhs collection world did you know that what collecting vhs is or grading so grading them so great there's like you can just google it there's like reddit threads upon reddit threads about 
how these grading companies for VHSs is like ruining their hobby and it's complete bullshit that people are grading VHS tapes. But I mean, I kind of get it because, yeah, in a sense, grading is what is as much as going back to sporting events, going back to like real life killed the, the momentum that the hobby had. And don't get me wrong, we're stupid amounts since COVID started. So the momentum is still there. The hobby is still at, at incredible heights. Um, but it's also the grading companies. PSA yep. specifically chose to shut down the day that Prism came out, which killed arguably the biggest basketball release of the year. PSA specifically raised their prices to be what they're at. PSA is killing people on subs. PSA is also upcharging people on cards that shouldn't be upcharged. So as much as people want to talk about greed from people that didn't sell it 500% and now it came back down to a, essentially earth, but it's still up a lot if you didn't buy it three. The grading companies are just as greedy and are just as much as fault as these people that didn't sell their base Zions for a thousand dollars or their base Lucas yep. for two thousand. It, it's nuts. So I I think um and and this is just my opinion and there's a lot of thoughts that go into this and I'm not gonna spit this outright, but I think that you know history kind of repeats itself and I feel like now more than ever with the card thing, it's like we're the industry or the hobby is kind of shooting themselves in the foot and um you know, and there's an argument to be made about grading base cards or certain cards should or shouldn't, but I think that's what made the hobby so great was that, like, if you had a card that you really liked and you wanted to grade it for 8 bucks for PSA, it was okay, right? And then now there's a debate on whether you should be grading base cards or non-numbered or parallel cards, which I think is ridiculous, but, you know, PSA did it already. They 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 made the prices so outrageous. No one's going to be grading stuff. So I don't know what their business model is, but uh, it's so kind of crazy. It's like, it's like the hobby was, is on this huge roller coaster of the incline and, and the money was good. And then it's like the hobby in general got greedy. And if it, if it goes back down to earth or zero, which I hope not in your case, cause that's your job and your business, but it won't make a difference to me because I'll, I'll still collect the stuff I like. You know what I mean? Um, so I think, I think that's one of the biggest points that you just touched on. Um, pre-2019, let's call, let's call COVID, we'll say, it's, we'll say 2020 is COVID type, so to speak. So right. pre-2019, you walked into a card show, and let's say there was 150 tables. Maybe 30 of those tables graded cards, like actually sent in cards to be graded themselves. Right. The people walking around that show, maybe 20% were grading cards. People weren't grading every single card that they hit in a pack. People weren't grading every single base card. They weren't, it wasn't, oh, will it grade a 10? It was, oh, you just hit that card. Let's go. Like, that's sick. It was being hype about hitting the card, not, immediately oh what will the card grade so that's one big difference between now and then and then the other big difference between now and then and i remember this very vividly to actually make the leap from it being a hobby to it being your full-time job used to be a big deal it used to be oh this guy's about to be doing cards full-time we got to make sure we're supporting him we got to make sure this like 
it, it's no longer just oh yeah he can have fun and go buy this player because the guy because he likes that player it's no longer oh this it's no longer oh that now it's if you're not doing it full time and you're not doing it as kind of to make your money why are you doing cards and i don't like that and i do this full time and i still don't like the fact that that's kind of the narrative that's been created it shouldn't be that nine out of ten people are doing this full time it should be two out of ten people are doing this full time and eight out of ten make money doing it but it's just a hobby right right no i agree i uh no just like you said so for me i never really thought about getting stuff graded i was just happy like you said hitting big cards and being stoked with getting like the cards i wanted or just getting like you know an rpa of somebody and just being stoked about it and then again brandon always finds his way into the conversation i remember he was like why are you not grading stuff i'm like oh, what do you mean why would i grade stuff and he i just remember him saying like hey grading is a huge multiplier and I didn't, I didn't take that information as, hey, I can grade stuff and make a ton of money. Again, for me, it was, hey, I can grade this stuff that other people would want that I don't necessarily want for my PC or to collect. And I can trade up or sell and get stuff that I want. You know what I mean? But yeah. then it was like, but then it, it was, it was like a, a fire. Like all of a sudden, everybody was just grading everything and between me and you like i have um and i know i I think if i remember correctly you're not interested in the other grading companies so but i have 700 cards out at grading between psa and then i think maybe 200 or 250 out of that 700 are at csg because it was just eight dollars to grade no subgrades which i was cool with i just wanted to get them graded and out of my my freaking guest room closet so um but yeah after this though i don't know if i'll grade any cards in the future i did have a couple um thick relic cards that i wanted to grade at bgs but they just shut down so i don't know what i'm going to do with them now yeah it's interesting like that's the like it just comes down to too many people are grading it used to used to not know how to send cards to psa it used right. to kind of be a mystery how cards got to PSA and like how they got into it, like where they came from, from PSA. Now you can be in the hobby for two months and apparently become a certified PSA dealer. So Jeez. it's just, it's changing drastically what the hobby is becoming because it's not becoming a hobby. It's becoming an industry and, or it became an industry, I should say. Right, um, right. And so it'll be interesting to see where it goes next. Because like I said, where it came from versus where it's at now, it came from a much healthier position. But there's more money, there's more people, there's more eyes, and there's more product in the market now than there was then. So how are they going to yep. change that? Yeah, I mean, people, I like, so in my personal life, I don't talk about the cards that much unless someone brings it up or it gets brought up in com- in conversation. And surprisingly, it gets brought up a lot more than it ever has my entire life. And like, I always say that I'm like a closet nerd, like people, like if you saw me, you probably didn't think I was collecting cards and collecting comic books and all this stuff that I collect and I like to nerd out on. But, um, but my point is that when people ask me about cards and getting into the hobby as an investment, I, like right now I tell people, I'm like, don't even bother. Like 
the amount of money that would have to go into you acquiring these cards to then grade them. It's a lose-lose situation if you're going to try to just come into it blindly and start from scratch. I, I mean, I feel fortunate that I got the itch to collect cards again two years ago. Um, so it's been to my benefit, but I don't I don't think it's the smartest investment move to just be jumping right into it right now. Unless you have a, a boat ton of money, then sure, I guess you could do whatever you want. Or you're willing to sit there and actually like take three months, study the trends, study the graphs, study the players, right. and then jump in. You can't yep. wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, I have a million dollars. What should I buy? That's right. not gonna right. work. You're gonna no. just lose your money if you're if you're doing that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, look, if you three months ago, if you would have took that money and bought just Zion, you're probably sitting at 50% of your investment right now. So. Yeah. There's so few players that are up right now. If you bought two months ago, if you bought three months ago outside of basically football. Um, yep. But that also goes back to kind of somewhat normalcy where we're starting to see the trends of, I mean, before COVID happened, my collection used to go in cycles. When we were in bat, I was buying baseball. When we were in baseball right. season, I was buying football. When we were in, like, when we were, it just, it went in cycles. I never really had all the sports at the same time, but I always collected every sport. I just made sure that I was funneling out and then funneling in as the cycles were going. And so it's kind of nice to see that we're going back to those cycles some. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, and like I always say, like, it's not rocket science. If, like you said, you put in the work, you do the research, you can see the trends. I am surprised, though, how early football has just skyrocketed. Especially on guys like from two years ago that were pretty down and they're just way up, I think, even more than when they were up during their rookie seasons. I think that a lot of that has to do with the pricing of these new rookies, which came the hype of covid so they were hyper expensive and then the other combination of we're about to have a class of six potentially seven quarterbacks five in the first round and then two or three that you could look at in like the later rounds that are fringe players that you could potentially collect and then you have what four wide receivers and three or four running backs in the first two rounds yeah it's another stacked class just like last year that's only going to continue to catapult the football market yeah i'm i'm screwed i went from the end of last football season the jags being one of the cheapest teams in breaks even with the couple rookies they had to i'm gonna have to ask brandon if he wants to go in have on some case breaks when the time comes so yeah they're gonna be i mean look at what chargers prices were and probably add 30 percent is my guess why, why are you trying to why are you trying to break my heart <laughs> i'm just being honest with you honestly oh, no i know I your know. best bet and and this is gonna sound crazy and i personally am not um and, and you guys you you see that based on how i do my breaks i always do pyt um that's because yep. i'm a firm believer that if you're gonna spend your money you should get the team that you actually want the players of or the chase of whatever, whether it be your PC or you're trying to prospect a certain player, whatever it may be. I believe that your money should go towards that specific thing. Um, next year, random team might be the move from a value standpoint with how many different quarterbacks there are, how many different receivers and running backs there are. There's probably right. going to be 
10 good teams, 12 that you can land on. And so if you were going to buy the Jags, let's say, let's say a case break of NT is going to be, let's say it's 20 K. I think that it was like 16 K this year or something absurd or whatever it may be. We'll, we'll call it 10 K instead of 20 K. Right. The Jags are probably going to be four or five K. They'll probably cover half the case in a random team. Just take two grand worth of random teams instead of the four grand for the Jags. There's a decent chance you'll hit the Jags or at least one of the top quarterback teams. And so you'll make your money back. Right. And I think too, with, you know, and I hate to say the word hype, but I think the hype with last year, last year's class, the year before, and then this new class, I think if, if I was a breaker and I wanted to fill it quickly, then I would probably do a random team, like you said, and it should, just like you said, you'll get the value. Most people are going to feel good about the random team they get. And here we go for the ride and see what comes out. You know what I mean? Were you? Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you? Were you surprised? It seemed to me, and you broke way more than I did, um, that Select had a ton of quarterbacks and a ton of silvers in it this year, Bill. So Select used to be one of my favorite products just because it was like they didn't, or at least it didn't seem like they intended it, but it was always shorter printed than Prism was. Yep. They took that away. A hundred percent they took that away. They made the product way too loaded. And that's why you're seeing that right now I can go and buy a two a silver select for like eighteen dollars. Really? I didn't realize it dropped that much. I haven't looked. You can buy Herbert Select Silvers for like thirty or forty dollars. Like the silver and the base market has absolutely crashed for select. Now the color market has stayed very if not gotten stronger than years past, but the base and silver market is weaker than I've ever seen it. Yeah. I, a lot of that is, could have is to, my favorite. A lot what of that, that could have to do with PSA being closed and now BGS being closed where people can't grade those cards. So some of the value left in that sense. Um, but even before it closed select was out and select was kind of cheap. Hmm. What, oh, so I guess with PSA and BGS down, are you are you grading with anyone else? Like, do you like any of the new grading companies at all? Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with them. Mm-hmm. I'm personally not utilizing them. I'm personally not buying their slabs. I'm not sending my cards to them. But if you want to use them, if your business plan, if your model, if it makes sense to use them, you won't hear me like talking down on those companies. You won't hear me like talking down on you for subbing to those companies. Do whatever is going to put the money in your pocket or put the cards in the slabs that you want them to have and do whatever makes sense for you. Just make sure that you're not trying to preach it onto other people. So don't try and force SGC onto me. If I don't like SGC, don't try and force CSG onto me. If I don't like CSG, don't force, hda onto me if i don't like hda just like i shouldn't force bgs onto you if you don't like bgs or if you don't like psa if you prefer raw cards i shouldn't force grading onto you it's just make sure that you're acknowledging that people have their space in the hobby right so i i guess so so for you what is it about the new companies you're just a traditionalist with psa and bgs so for me bgs is my favorite slab personally I, I like the subgrades 
I, I would take a quad 9.5 over a PSA 10 any day of the week if you're talking about personal preference. Um, so I agree with me. you 100%. BGS for me over PSA all day long. Um, what it comes down to ultimately, I had my dream card, which is the Kevin Durant orange Topps Chrome Refractor, um, numbered out of 199. Yep. I took what I guess you could call it the cheap route. I bought an SGC 9.5 as opposed to getting a PSA 9 or a BGS 9. Um, the SGC 9.5 was about half the price. It was literally sitting in my case, and I went to pull it out one day, and the case was completely cracked. Oh. Never dropped it, never did anything. I go to pull the case is cracked on the SGC slab. So that kind of made me lose all interest in SGC when the slab – breaks out of nowhere now don't get me wrong i get that bgs slabs chip i get that they that they break but usually you have to at least drop them or do something for it to break it doesn't you don't just pull it out of your case and it's completely cracked right Um, and then the other thing was i had five cards that i had gotten a lot they were basically throw-ins and i couldn't even sell them on my story for 50 percent of comps literally i pulled for 50 percent of ebay comps and they could not sell. So for that reason, I personally will not mess with SGC at all. Um, essentially, it could be a free card, and I'll pass on it, or I'll give it I to a, or I'll give it away to someone. Um, it's oh, yeah. just not worth the time. And then, and the other new companies, you just, you just don't, you're not interested in them. To be uh, fair, hybrid seems like a gimmick to me. Um, can they last? Maybe. Um, will they last? Probably not. Uh, and then CSG. I actually like CSG. I collect comics. I collected comics for years. Um, Bernie, Niner card collector, used to go live on bullpen. And we would have kind of non-sports night where we would rip comic books. We would rip Star Wars. We would rip that type of stuff. Right. And so it was a lot of fun back in like 2017, 2018 when – no one really liked that stuff outside of maybe four or five people. And Bernie was still willing to rip that stuff for us. Um, so I've always been familiar with their kind of grading and with their slabs. I do think that they could potentially have a place in the card market. I just think it's going to be more in the gaming card market as opposed to the sports card market. Right. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And for, like I said, for me, from a, a pure cost factor right i'm like i have all these cards eight dollars to grade them back to where psa used to be two years ago i was like i'm gonna go ahead and just grade all these and then hopefully when i'm done with this current job i'm on i can get back to going to some shows and i hopefully it'll be easy like i can just move them or trade them for whatever but that that was my thought on it um so that's lies on ebay though that's so that i don't i don't really buy and sell on ebay like at all, but those right. those kind of I don't want to call them off brand, but the new the new brands I guess or the new grading companies, right. those all fly on eBay. They go they sell pretty well on on my slabs at least SGC does. I know my slabs doesn't allow uh, CF, uh hybrid for cards yet. They allow it obviously for comics, um, right? But they fly on those other marketplaces. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the perception of on eBay, 
you don't know who's who's bidding behind it so it's like okay i could go bid on this card because they can't see me versus on instagram it's like oh well that account is buying sgc slabs right but it is but for whatever reason it sells on ebay and it doesn't sell on facebook or instagram yeah i i had a buddy of mine send me an sgc slab and uh seeing them online i thought well they're not too bad but the label is pretty horrendous yeah i'm not Uh, no i'm not either and uh i think the the aesthetic of the black slab looks cool but then when you get it in your hand and then the label looks cheap to me I, i just didn't like it i think um I was excited about hybrid and CSG, the newer, you know, because SGC has been around. But I was excited about some of these newer ones only because PSA and BGS have been pissing me off so much lately with the price increase, the shut it downs, the delays, which there's always been a delay. So if you've ever done, if you're ever into the hobby before, you know that it's never the time schedule except for like, you know, five or ten days. But once you start going to the time, no. Yeah, it's never been this bad. But so, like, just the fact that I've been so pissed off about the two companies um, and how they do business, I, I, like, personally was hoping another company. I'm like, man, there's room for someone to kind of come in. And I think, of course, that's the thought process with these new companies. Like, hey, there's a space or a consumer that's probably fed up with these other two companies. How can we bring something new or make it a a fresh idea from an old idea and get some new customers, you know? So I, I'm, I'm rooting for them, but like you said, you know, we'll see what happens and if they make it or not, I'm, I'm a little more uh, optimistic than, than you are, I think, but we'll see what happens. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope anyone that's putting money into a business that's trying, trying to create a business is successful. Um, especially in this industry, in the card industry, even breakers, it doesn't matter who you are. None of us are competing against each other. Right. We're only competing against ourselves at the end of the day. And there's enough cards. There's enough money. There's enough people. There's enough. It's a big enough industry that if you're willing to put the work in, if you're willing to kind of find your place, you're going to have a place and you're going to be successful as long as you know what you want to get out of it. Right. Right. Man, so I, we've been going for like an hour and a half, Lane. I think um, I think that's a good spot to kind of close it up on unless there's unless there's anything else you want to touch on. Like I, I, I 100% appreciate you coming on. I, like I said from the get-go, I think you're one of the best dudes in the hobby. Um, I think you do things for the right reasons. I think like a lot of us, you're always there to share information and talk about things and, and be a great ambassador for the hobby. One of these days I will make it to a show so we can hang out. Um, as of right now, I don't think I can even go to nationals because of the job I'm on, but hopefully in the fall, you know, things will keep getting back to normal and I'll, uh, I always come to New York to visit and do things. So maybe we can meet at a show in New York or something like that. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like you said, it doesn't sound like you'll be able to go to the national, but luckily there's always more nationals and there's more shows. There's never been more shows than ever before. And there's even more popping up. There's a bunch that are starting in Vegas. There's a bunch that are happening in Florida in Texas. I mean, Shows are going to continue to to build up. I'm waiting for them to start doing them in California. Um, 
at least big shows in California. I know that they have right. a couple weekend shows, but I'm waiting for some some actual big shows for Ka- what powerhouse they actually claim to be in the card market. I got you. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing too is like there's a lot of there's a lot of money and big money in the hobby now, and it's coming from all different angles. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's exciting. But no, this conversation has been a lot of fun. I mean, realistically, I could sit and talk about sports and talk about the card market and the industry for hours and hours and hours. Oh, yeah, me uh, me too. I think, um, you know, and that was the goal for this, for me doing the podcast, is I wanted to talk to people that were easy to talk to and have conversations. And, you know, like for like you and I, have, we've talked on live before, right? Um but this is like our first first in-depth conversation. And I think the people that I've had like easy conversations with, like I would love to do a podcast with me, you and Brandon one day, for instance, right? I think it'll be great. Um, and then even with some of the other guests that I've had on. So I, like, again, I, again, I appreciate it. I would love to have you on again. Um, you just let me know when you want to. I don't, I don't want to pester you or bother you, but whenever you want to do it again, Let's do it again. This was awesome. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, this was a blast. And I'm I'm fortunate that you reached out to to have me on. Definitely an honor to be on the podcast, to have people want to hear what we have to say um, is definitely a big deal. And, and like I said, I do appreciate that you reached out. Thanks. Thanks, Lane, man. I appreciate it. Have a good night. You. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Break of Wax podcast. Please, if you enjoyed it, share it, um, send the link out, put it on your story. I welcome all feedback and comments. Send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking about, what you want to talk about. And if you want to be a guest on the show, I answer all my DMs. I think it's weird when people don't. That's another story for another day. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support and all the love. Peace. Peace.